It's Tuesday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good one out there. Staying warm. I know I talk about weather sometimes in the intro here. Very Minnesotan, very Midwestern of me. I can't help it. It is cold outside. We do what we can, right? We're, get, we're getting through it. I can see, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the extended forecast. They're pretty good about knowing these things these days. And a few days from now, it'll start warming up again. We got some temperatures in the 30s again next week. So there you go. Well, it's okay. It's just, you don't have to be outside for that long. Just get out for a little bit. It's okay. And luckily for you, uh, you have a podcast to listen to, whether you're outside, inside, whatever it is. This show, a good one. Chris Hine joins me in a little bit to talk Timberwolves. Um, it's kind of like setting the stage for where they are right now. Had that little lull in their season where it seemed like they were kind of, you know, just kind of not losing interest, but just kind of one of those natural dips, kind of a long stretch of road games, things like that, where they weren't at their best. Seems like they've come out of that in good shape and now are on the other side of things, still have the best record in the West, still looking like a team that could be very good down the stretch. But we'll examine also um, what they might want to do at the trade deadline. It's just a few weeks from now. February 8th is the trade deadline in the NBA. What could the Wolves add specifically maybe offensively speaking, maybe in the second unit to kind of help bolster their chances in the postseason. We'll get to some local results at the end of the show as well. Not a good night for Gopher men's basketball, but a much better night for the Gophers. I'm, I'm sorry, for the Wild. Um, they finally snapped their skid, got themselves back on the right foot. So we'll get to that at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss want to talk NFL now that we saw all the results from the wild card weekend. Two things stand out to me. Number one, what in the world happened to Philadelphia? Everybody's asking this question. They were 10-1 and one at one point this season, cruising along um, in, in the NFC race, you know, looking like they were going to get home field. Had the best record in the league. And I say 10-1, and one, not, you know, looked, looked invincible. You know, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year, they were close to winning it last year um, and looked like they were on track again this year to be that team. Then they lose five of their last six games in the regular season and just get absolutely humiliated 32 to nine in the playoffs um, last night against Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa Bay played a good game, but 32 to nine. What in the world? How do you fall off the face of the earth? so much and you know there's i'm sure the injuries play a role i don't think jalen hurts is 100 percent, but there's also been like bickering infighting it sounds like especially on offense the direction of the team in question nick seriani the head coach um taking a lot of the heat wondering if if that if that's going to keep up or if they're going to have to make a change there like just underscores how fast things can change in sports right this was like the team that looked like it was the model franchise for quite some time you know for you know the rise of the eagles getting better and better they you know they took it to the vikings last year they took it to them earlier this year they still look like that team for a while and then all of a sudden the wheels just fall off and if one play symbolized it last night it was a 56 yard touchdown um a short pass from baker mayfield to palmer for uh from tampa bay like three or four missed tackles, bad angles, guys not wanting to get in the way of him, and he just takes it to the house early second half, really really didn't 
clinch the game, but it really kind of told you, okay, this is how the rest of this game is going to go. I think it made it 25-9 at the time. 32-9 is your final. So I'm just trying to get a handle on this. I'm sure Vikings fans who detest the Eagles, who still have the battle scars from NFC title game, you know, six years ago, things like that. Um, there, there's no love lost here. There's no sympathy for Philadelphia, which, you know, kind of seemed like it had cracked, you know, had the cheat code for a while with Jalen Hurts, rookie contract, cheap young quarterback, you know, winning a bunch of games, things like that. And then, you know, he's he his question, his future is a little bit questionable, even though now they've got the the, the contract with him now. And it's just I just you just how does this happen to a team? How do you go from that good to that bad sports are still a mystery to a certain degree how teams can lose it so quickly get it back so quickly in some cases momentum confidence injuries everything that we take for granted in sports you realize when a team just goes in the complete tank like this you start to understand just how fragile it can be just how small the margins are if the even if the margins look big and for philadelphia it certainly became that in the playoffs and down the stretch of the regular season now the other thing that stands out to me now that we have eight teams left the quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs are an interesting hodgepodge especially as we consider the vikings and what they might do this offseason the upshot is that of the eight remaining teams in the playoffs seven of them are quarterbacked by former first round picks the AFC very much um, very much kind of by the book by the way the other one is a Mr. Irrelevant the last pick in the draft Brock Purdy from the 49ers but I want to talk about the AFC first AFC very much by the book all four of these guys Josh Allen number seven overall in the uh, 2018 draft Patrick Mahomes 10th overall in his draft uh, CJ Stroud number two just this year and uh, Lamar Jackson the last pick of the first round in 2018 there's three 2018 quarterbacks in this draft in this uh, playoff still by the way including Baker Mayfield of Tampa Bay so those those guys are all still with their original original teams all of them you know picked they you know their teams have benefited from their rookie contracts and now they're on except for Stroud all of them are on second contracts or third contracts you know getting paid the big bucks to be the quarterbacks now but all of them you know kind of franchise caliber guys I think Stroud we can say that about him even after one year franchise caliber guys who have the who figure to have these teams in contention year in and year out maybe not Houston we don't know that for sure yet but definitely Kansas City Buffalo and Baltimore you can say that about them those are contenders year in and year out um, regardless of what else is happening around them may not win the Super Bowl but they are contenders year in and year out with those guys the NFC Baker Mayfield with Tampa Bay number one overall pick but with Cleveland has bounced around this is his fourth team in six years Jared Goff also a former number one overall pick with the Rams, but traded for Matthew Stafford, who helped the Rams win a Super Bowl. Goff kind of dispatched the Rams that this isn't our guy. We don't want him. He's not the guy that can take us to the promised land. Now he's in Detroit and doing very well. Jordan Love drafted in the number 26 overall in the 2020 draft. He Sat for three years, of course, behind Aaron Rodgers. So he was a former number one overall, uh, number one, a uh, first round pick, but he has sat for three years. And then you got Brock Purdy, the last pick of the 2022 draft, who is now <clears throat> one of the better quarterbacks in the league and excelling for the 49ers. So seven former first round picks. Some of them have bounced around, though, or had to wait their turn. Other guys, a more traditional path. What does this tell us about the Vikings? What does this tell us about what they should do this offseason? I don't know if it tells you 
one thing, but if if you look at the if you just look at the bigger picture of it, it does tell you that seven of the eight remaining quarterbacks are former first round picks. Now the trouble is. Two of them number one overall picks, one of them a number two pick, even Josh Allen at number seven. Those are hard spots for the Vikings to get to from 11. Certainly the ones and the two hard to get to from there. The other guys, uh, 32nd overall, 26th overall, 7th and 10th. That's kind of in the Vikings range. Maybe they can, you know, certainly they can get to 10th from 11th, or that's right in their range if they pick the right guy, if the right guy falls to them, or if they, you know, get to a spot where they want to get him. And then Purdy. I guess what it tells me is two things. A, there's not one single way to build a team, to have a successful playoff team, or to have a team that gets passed around in the playoffs at least. I don't think and I don't think all of these teams are in equal footing as contenders or are in the same situations. But if you talk about there's not just one way to build a team. Two, though, seven out of eight former first round picks tells you the arm talent, tells you the idea of capitalizing on that, you know, young rookie quarterback deal. You got CJ Stroud on that. Jordan Love is still on that with the Packers right now. Brock Purdy, the 49ers, certainly reaping those benefits. Other teams have reaped those benefits in the AFC, even if now they're paying top dollar for it. So the bottom line does seem to be drafting a quarterback in the first round can set you up for success, especially if you find that right guy. And maybe these playoffs tell us what the Vikings should do in 2024, which is draft a quarterback and start over. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Let's bring in Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer. I think it's been a while, Chris. I, I think it's it qualifies as a happy new year because I don't think we've done this yes. since uh, since the start of the year. So happy new year! How you doing? Happy new year to you too. Yeah, a lot of road games, so I was I was yes. out of town, and uh, yeah, very happy new year to. Uh, I'm sure as you watch Jordan Love just torching the mm. the, the Cowboys mm. and and uh, yeah, Green Bay maybe set for another decade at quarterback. How about that? Isn't, well, that, should, isn't, that, isn't you, that nice? You better you better hope that that was a fluke because he's he's up next for your 49ers right i know i mean listen they uh they look really really good but i'm trying to take solace in the fact that about three or four weeks ago they almost lost to carolina so i'm hoping that that version of green bay is still somewhere in there um and maybe shows up on saturday they've been streaky although aaron jones does add a new dimension to them now that he's healthy but we are not here to talk about nfl playoffs although that was a nice interlude um (laughs) nba timberwolves still leading the west a good win sunday against uh the clippers they got a nice like welcome home from the trailblazers um on friday that was like the perfect (laughs) perfect welcome home gift soft landing right after like those tough road games that game of the stretch of 16 in a row against all those good teams they just lost that tough one against boston it's like hey how about one of the worst teams in the NBA, they're on a back-to-back, and they just got lost by sixty-plus points to Oklahoma City. So that's a ni- that was a nice soft landing for them. And they and they, to their credit, unlike last year, took care of business. And that seems to be there's a lot of things different from last year, but just the business-like nature of being able to handle these bad teams is can't be taken lightly. No, hundred hundred percent. It's why they are competing for the top seed in the Western Conference. Yes, they've had some nice wins like they had against the Clippers 
on Sunday night. They they've beaten Denver, they've beaten Boston, Oklahoma City. Um, but really, you pile up the wins by beating the teams that you should beat. And this is what they've done this year that they weren't able to do last year. And I, I was looking just kind of at the schedule overall after that Portland game. And, you know, the, they have coming up on their schedule a lot of teams that are in the bottom six of the league. That includes this next set of games here Wednesday and Thursday. They got they go to Detroit, and then they come home for Memphis, who is going through a season from hell like no other, I feel like, uh, right now. Well, like Memphis um, was good for like two weeks when Ja when came ja back, was back from his suspension. Now he's out for the year with a shoulder Marcus injury. Marcus Smart is hurt again. Desmond Bain is Desmond Bain is out now. Um, it's it's like awful, just awful what's uh what's happened to the Grizzlies. Um from that perspective. Um, but the Wolves are now 28 and 11. They still have, I think it's 12 games uh, against the bottom six teams in the league the rest of the way. So if you could take care of business in those 12 games, go, let's say nine and three, right? That gets you up to 37 Seven wins, wins. Yeah. right? If you just go 500, the rest of the way you're Against looking the other at like teams, yeah. 53 53 ish wins right give or take one and or that's two. like and that's like bare minimum right like that's right. like that's right. I don't know that's I don't necessarily like worst you case could go, you could go you could go eleven and one against these twelve teams right. you could go twelve and zero oh. and you, you can go play, better than five hundred against you can the go rest better than five hundred against the rest so Denver I think it was fifty four wins that that got Denver the one seed last year so you're talking about a record that is in the mix for the one seed. The only problem is Oklahoma City doesn't seem to be going away. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma City, if you just look at just Tankathon, which is an imperfect metric for schedule strength, because all it factors in is uh, remaining opponent win percentage, but at least it's something. Oklahoma City still has a pretty easy schedule too the rest yes. of the way. So I think it's going to be really the wolves in Oklahoma city kind of toggling back and forth for this, the rest of the season, it, it seems like Denver, I feel like Denver, Denver will be there just because they're so good. Um, but I do feel like Denver's kind of in a mode of like, let's just get to the finish line right. healthy with a decent seed. And then we'll, we'll turn it on in the playoffs. Yeah. For teams like the wolves and the thunder, it matters, right? Like yes. they've still got enough to prove they've got, you know, young enough players, even though I wouldn't say the Wolves are are young by any stretch anymore, but, you know, two of their core players, uh, Edwards and McDaniels, are still pretty young and, you know, wanting to prove themselves. Like, they they will play their guys. You know, I know Gobert and Conley sat the back half of that back-to-back and didn't play in Boston, but by and large, these guys are playing back-to-backs. They're trying to win every game, whereas, you know, teams like Clippers, teams like the you know, pretty much every other contender in the West, they being top four matters somewhat to them. Being top six certainly matters, but gunning for the top seed or making sure they're winning every game at the expense of being fatigued at the end of the year, they're just not going to do that because they, they know the value of it. No, they don't. And, and that's why it's like the Clippers last night is a good example. Like they've got everybody healthy right now. Yeah. They look really good, right? Um, but it's still mid-January. You know, those guys seem to go in and out of the lineup a lot. 
Um, so I know that they're kind of making a push for that top seed now, but it's just I, I I wonder about the the ebbs and flows of the season, the the ankle tweaks and the the knee bruises and this and that um, affecting those guys overall. Um, same with Phoenix, who who's had trouble staying healthy all season um, as well. We've seen you know some of the traditional powers just falling off through either questionable roster construction and or age catching up to them so this is uh this is the time this is the moment um and yeah the the wolves i think to their credit have not have recognized this and are not wasting it and they're they're going full throttle most every night um except for that boston game which was a weird set of circumstances um but every night everybody's doing their best to be available to play anthony edwards knee contusion you know, um, maybe on another night he sits that one out, but it's the Clippers. It's a big game at home, and he plays, and he plays well. Um, you know, so that's kind of the, the the ethos, the the kind of mindset and culture that they have right now is if they can play, they're going to play, um, even if it's on the borderline. That's why I thought the Clippers win was important. Clippers had all of their big guns going. They had, you know, Kawhi, they had Paul George, they had Harden, they had Westbrook, they all played heavy minutes. Like, that's that's the kind of lineup and effort you're going to face in the playoffs, assuming there's not, like, a team with, like, a catastrophic injury or, like, a you know, a weeks-long injury as opposed to, like, teams that might rest guys or give guys, you know, this, you know, minor injury, time off, things like that. Like, they've caught teams that were doing that this year, right? Like, they've, they've played yeah. teams that weren't quite giving it they're all not like they weren't trying to win, but they weren't at full strength where they probably could have been if it was the playoff. So beating the Clippers in a scenario like that felt important to me because the Clippers certainly were, you know, at, at that point where they were trying to be full strength. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent. And I think it's that that Clippers matchup is always a little int- more intriguing for me, at least a little bit when it comes to the Wolves, because the Clippers are the are the creators of the play Rudy Gobert off the floor in the playoffs narrative, right? That's that happened against the Clippers. And so that has clung to Rudy uh, over the last couple of years here. So I think to see the wolves not give in in terms of lineups or whatever, and play how they normally play and go out and play really good defensively and, Rudy is not a detriment to the team late, including with his free throws. In the playoffs, who knows what's going to be different? Um, who knows what matchups might look like with another team? But with that specific team who employed that strategy to great success a few years ago, um, I think it's just encouraging to see that you know when a team can go small with the kind of talent that the Clippers have, the wolves can more than hold their own in that situation. Yes, I think that's I think that's fair. I think it also, you know, it's interesting to see the wolves kind of evolve over the course of the year. I think their identity has been what they said it was going to be, which is defense, but the rotations and who's on the floor and who's kind of playing those key supporting roles maybe a little different than what what we thought. You've seen a little bit more Jordan McLaughlin lately. I don't I don't think we saw him in the Clippers game. They kind of went eight in that game. But like in the games where they feel like they need nine or ten or can use nine or ten, 
You know, Shake Milton's kind of lost that role. Troy Brown filled it for a while, but that was more because of injuries. Um, well, Kyle Anderson hasn't quite had the year I wanted him to have, but he he's still valuable. How, how do you kind of see those kind of the rotations as they are now versus maybe what we thought at the start of the year? Yeah, I think, you know, the Shake Milton signing hasn't been what they envisioned just because I think they had really high hopes offensively um you know for his ability to score um you know never say never and we've seen guys emerge from the rotate from the bench to being rotation players and right. that could still happen it's a long season um so you never say never um but yeah i think i think the fact that they haven't found a ninth consistent ninth guy in the rotation is a little surprising I, it's not that surprising that that role is fluctuates minutes wise on a night to night basis, just based off of um, you know Finch's history a little bit. Um, they are trying to win these games, right? To our point before, the guys are playing a lot of minutes, um, and he's shortened the bench a lot of times, and so it is very much like a playoff like feel where the playoffs you really shorten the bench um you know eight guys is usually the max um, of a playoff rotation so it, it is very much like a playoff feel when you get in these close games and, and he's just finch is just kind of rolling with the eight guys he really trusts right now and they have that kind of solid eight and i, I wonder how it pertains to you know the trade deadline which is coming yeah. up next month less than a month away um you know, I, I'm not sure kind of what they're seeing. Um, and, you know, this front office tends to keep things pretty close to the vest when it comes to potential moves. Um, but, you know, I think I think they realize that they could probably use a little more offensive pop, whether that come in the form of a, of a sh- of shooting, whether that comes in the form of somebody who can go out and get their own bucket. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of, I think, one of those areas could be a potential potential target at the deadline for them. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot they have in terms of assets to, to wheel and deal with, um, but there's some things that they might be able to, to use. Yeah, we were, I think we were talking before we started recording. They've got a pretty good second-round pick next year that will be either from Memphis or Washington, both of those teams struggling this year, probably lottery teams. So you figure that pick might be in the 30s, which would be, you know, teams like those early second round picks. It's almost like getting a first round pick or you kind of, you know, teams load up on potential in the first round and the second round, maybe they they can take a, a even longer term project or take somebody that maybe helps them right away and so those are those are pretty enticing depending on who who they're going to you've got we got some salary to make match it does seem like shooting like somebody who can get their own shot somebody who can create some of that instant offense because i think you're right like they have their eight like if everybody's healthy they've got their their five starters plus naz reed Nikhil alexander walker and kyle anderson that's their that's their eight but if anybody's hurt if they run into a matchup where you're not loving all the bigs things like that like it would be nice to be able to play a different style if you need to. And I don't know exactly what the deal is or who the player is, but it does feel like that's what you might be thinking about getting. Now, the downside is that probably is not a great defensive player or something like that. It's hard to find a, a great like 
two-way player unless you just get like that sweet spot of that three and D kind of guy, but then it's probably just more of a spot up shooter and not a offensive creator. So yeah, they, they might be limited in what they can do. I like their roster as it is, but they might be a little bit limited in, in what they can do or even what they really need. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's tricky to see. Um, I think, I think shooting is always a possibility. Um, just because I, I think of kind of when this offense was really humming two years ago, um, you had like Torian Prince and Malik Beasley shooting really well, playing off of <laughs> kind of the traffic that yeah. Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns would attract. So I, I think a, a shooter could work well here. Um, Tim Connolly, you know, you know, you never know, um, but I think he, you know, he might want to dip back to some of his days in Denver if he's looking around the league. Um, you know, there's maybe some trust there with guys he's acquired in the past. You know, like a like a Bones Highland from from the Clippers, for instance, mm-hmm. who's not really playing. Um, you know, but who knows if you know another contending team is going to sure. want to help out the Wolves? You know, in in that scenario. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the part of this job that I always hesitate to do is to throw around reckless name trade speculation right. because I I often when we see trades actually being being done the guys that are heavily talked about usually a lot of them end up not being dealt to the teams you think and then the team like teams acquire guys that you didn't think were on their radar so it's it's always a kind of a fool's errand to to really throw names out there and and things like that yeah i mean it's 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 fun it's part of the speculation business but it's much easier Mm -hmm. and probably much more practical to try to identify like what we're doing right now like identifying need and not worrying so much about the name, right? Like you, you right. Some so much of the trade comes down to availability. It comes down to you know what's happening with that other team, what another team can offer, things like that. Like you can't just make a trade magically happen. But you know, if if the conversation at the start of the year was, man, what what are they going to do with the deadline? Are they going to have to kind of cut bait if they don't like where they're headed, or if or if you know if they feel like the salaries are going to become untenable? That is not the conversation right now. The conversation is how do they make themselves better? How do they build on what they have? And any other kind of lingering questions can be dealt with in the off season. Correct. Yeah. You have a, you have a chance now to to have a really special season. Um, and a, a year like this might not come along very often, especially for this franchise. Um, so yeah, there's, I don't think there's any way. I mean, you're all, listen, you're always building with an eye towards the future, right? But, you know, this is this is your chance to really go for it. It's right now. It's happening right now in and with the looming cap tax questions coming in in following years that might get a little harder next year. Not impossible cuz every team is going to be facing the same difficulties. Um, but right now you have a team that can go for it while not going into the luxury tax. Um and yeah, you should you should take full advantage of it. And if there is a move that costs you that second round pick or maybe one of your young guys, I, I feel like you should probably go for it. Yeah, you do. Final thing. I mean, it seems like they they had like that little lull like post I was after the Sacramento win and then into you know a couple weeks into the you know, post after that win and into 2024, it seems like they kind of came out of that. They had, they've had some good wins lately. The Clippers win. they played well against Boston the night before that they had won already in Orlando, which is not easy this year. Do you just chalk that up to every team's going to go through a lull? It seemed like maybe Edwards was trying to 
figure some things out, like how aggressive, how much to pass, things like that? Like what, what was that and did they come out of it? I think they've come out of it. I think it was such a hectic schedule. It was a lot of travel. I, I did the math uh, for one of my stories during it. And I, I said, you know, over the course of about three weeks or whatever it was that that stretch was three, maybe three and a half weeks, they logged 17,000 miles. That's a lot. That's a lot of air miles. Um, and listen, I know, I know the excuses, you know, first class chartered flights, this and that five-star hotels, right? When you have to, but when you have to go out and play sometimes the very next night, I'm sorry, it, it has an effect on your body Yeah, and being able to be home and, and having day or two of rest, being able to sleep in your own bed as somebody who travels during uh-huh. those circumstances, I feel it on my body. Sure. Just my, so if I'm feeling it, what the hell are they doing when they have to, go, somebody's yeah. have to go and play 35 minutes a night? Right. So I know people don't like to hear that, but it's a very real thing when you're navigating an 82 game season, the wear and tear, the fatigue on your body is going to play a factor. Some nights it just is. I'm sorry. It is. So I think there was a little bit of that in that 16 game stretch was they were just worn down a little bit. It happens. They can get it back. They're rejuvenated. They play, you know, this stretch. Now they go to Detroit on Wednesday, but overall they're playing five out of six at home. And look what happened Sunday night when they were home for a little bit, they get to, they get to be home, sleep in their own beds, see their families, whatever, they come out and they play like we know they're capable of playing. They they're able to kind of hit that high level of play, that bar that they've set for themselves earlier in this season. I believe they routinely lead the league in air miles just because of right in the middle of the country. It's usually the, them or Portland, yeah. yeah. And they're yeah. in the wet. They're in the Western Conference, so they always have to travel west to go. You know, to on the road, they get a lot of those West Coast games. And flying west is this is further than it is to fly east from here, like a flight to. LA is like four hours. A flight to New York is like a little less than three. Like it's just further to get most of those places on the West. So it does probably add up for them more than anybody, but it does seem like they came through it. And, you know, almost at the halfway point of the season, I think, you know, any, any lingering skeptics have to be kind of on their last legs at this point. Like this is a good team. I don't know quite how good yet. Like we don't like playoff good, but this is a, this is a, like a great regular season team right now. It's a great regular season team. They have their issues that they need to work through. You know, they've been very good in the clutch, but I don't think of late their late game offense and decision making has been very good. That's a good way to put um, it. They they even like even last night or Sunday night against the Clippers, it was there were some turnovers and things like they let the Clippers kind of sort of back in that game because of some questionable decision making. So. They need to shore that up right now, and they need to shore it up come April um, when that when that rolls around here. I think they can because I think earlier in the season it was much better, so they need to just kind of get back to what they were doing then. Um, you know, defensively, they look great. You know, it's it, no team is stingier in the half court than this team. When it comes to defense, there's, you know, the only way that they're going to lose is foul trouble um, with the big, with Rudy and or Jaden, you know, but usually the playoffs are called a little looser than the regular season is. So I think that bodes well for the Wolves who like to, who like to play a little more physical on the, on the defensive end of the floor. 
Um, and offensively, you know, in come April, will Carl be there for a whole series? Um, will he take himself out of a playoff series, which has happened each of the last two at, at times? He's played in each of the series. He's played some of the Memphis series and the Denver series. He's played some really good basketball in some games, and there were some games where he was unplayable or yeah. in foul trouble or out of the game or so you know that's that's the that's the big question for for him when we get to that part of the year and that's an answer that we're not going to get until we get to April. Yeah. Well, it should be fun to just to see the journey the rest of the way to see what this looks like and I'll probably have you on again maybe closer to the trade deadline but right now it's just kind of a not like they're on autopilot but I kind of feel like we know what they are and they kind of kind of, kind of keep stacking up the wins to make sure they're in the spot they want to be at the end of the year um chris hine appreciate it as always uh happy new year again and we'll talk soon happy new year thank you mike royal credit union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. Good stuff from Chris It's always good to have him back on the show. It's been, you know, probably been a few weeks since he and I talked for this podcast. Uh, he's been on the road a lot. I took some time off over Christmas. So good to kind of get his perspectives again on the Wolves. I'm a little bit torn on what they should do or how they should be thinking as the trade deadline approaches because it seems like they've got a good chemistry here a good mix i think they've got some good depth certainly their top eight and even beyond that there's guys i still trust in spurts you know i trust jordan mclaughlin in certain matchups i think troy brown showed me some things when he had to play earlier this season even shake milton is not irredeemable he could come back and have a good second half of the season especially if pressed into duty um they've got younger guys too that maybe are waiting for their opportunity to shine but if you're talking about going into the playoffs eventually and what wins in the playoffs defense is certainly one of those things that's been the Wolves' calling card all season long. You don't want to mess with that kind of defensive identity, defensive chemistry. So I don't think you trade away defense in the pursuit of offense, especially if that's your identity. But one more bucket filler, one more guy who can just flat out shoot the ball, who can go on a 9-0 run all by himself if he gets hot. Those those kind of uh, those kind of heat up guys, those microwave guys, Vinny Microwave Johnson. If you guys remember him from the Pistons back in the '80s, those kinds of guys can just absolutely change the flavor of a game. Can get you back into a game. Can create the separation in a playoff game that you need to get to the finish line. Maybe someone like that, especially if they bring at least adequate defense to the defense to the mix. If you can find the right deal, if you don't have to mortgage the future, things like that. And there's not a whole lot of future for them to mortgage after the Rudy Gobert trade and after other deals they've made. But if you can get someone like that, maybe it's worth exploring because I do think someone like that, especially if there's any injuries down the stretch, if somebody kind of falls out of the rotation or, or is hurt for any length of time, someone like that could certainly help them. I don't think it's time to speculate on names yet. I'm just talking about like who, what kind of player, like Chris and I talked about, what kind of player could they use? And that's the kind of player I think they could use. Someone who can just light it up from three because they don't quite have enough of that. Let us now finish with the cooler. Two teams played last night locally. A tale of two uh, two results, certainly. Gopher men's basketball team lose at home to Iowa 
give up 86 points. They blitzed them early. Gophers were up by double digits after just like a handful of minutes. I think it was 14-3 to at one point in this game, but could not sustain it. Having a hard time since they went 3-1, and lost to Indiana, now lost to Iowa. Michigan State on the road next, and then home against Wisconsin. This, this team that, you know, exceeded expectations for a little while there. That kind of got my attention. I'm not saying I'm not paying attention anymore, but they, you know, they need to do more than just that little stretch. I know they they won seven in a row. A lot of those games were just against the worst of the worst non-conference opponents. A lot of teams could have beaten those teams. St. Thomas could have beaten a lot of those teams. No disrespect to St. Thomas, but I'm talking about the level of competition the Gophers were playing. That tells me right now that they are in kind of regroup mode. That this team does not at the spot where you have to say, okay, are they, they're not good yet. They're, they, they had a good stretch. They're, they're better. We still know they're better, but they aren't the kind of team that's going to automatically take care of business in a coin flip kind of game. They were favored to beat Iowa. I think the betting, betting line was like gophers by three and a half. So they were, Vegas looked at this or whoever sets the odds looks at this and says, hey, this is a better team than Iowa. And then Iowa comes in, doesn't blow them out, but it was pretty, you know, it was pretty, convincing pretty the, the you know the the span this this the gap in score in the second half was always like in that 7 to 13 range where Iowa was always kind of able to keep them at arm's length so that was interesting to me they need to regroup i'm not saying they have to win at michigan state but i'm saying they got to play better at michigan state they got to beat wisconsin to kind of feel like they're getting that feeling back that hey okay not just a better team but a team that's going to win some games the wild Hadn't been winning at all. Now they win 5 nothing. I'm happy for Marc-Andre Fleury. He finally passed Patrick Waugh for second place on the all-time victory list in that 5 nothing win. He gets it in the shutout. It's great, tremendous honor, tremendous guy. I'm happier, though, for the rest of us who no longer have to hear this storyline for the rest of the year. I know I've harped on it. I know it's a little bit of a pet peeve. I know I probably shouldn't care this much about it, but man... I just have not cared all that much about this pursuit of second place. Good for Flurry though. He did it. The Wild got a much needed win, a convincing win, five to nothing. A lot of good things happened for them. Maybe that closed door meeting the other day did some good things for them and now they'll play better. Maybe they're the opposite of the Eagles. They went up, they went down, they went up, they went down, and then maybe now they're back up again, whereas the Eagles just ended their year completely down and out. And uh, you know, so we'll see where the Wild go the rest of the way, but yeah, man. Sports are weird. Maybe that's maybe that's the ultimate takeaway from this show. Sports are weird. You never know when a team's going to get hot, when a team's going to get cold and cold, and what is driving that sort of behavior from a team. That'll do it for today. Tomorrow, very special episode. Twenty-five years since the nineteen ninety-eight NFC title game, or the title game after the nineteen ninety-eight season. That game was played on January seventeenth, nineteen ninety-nine. Vikings, Falcons. You know what happened. I don't know if you want to relive it or not, but let's talk through it. I'm gonna talk through it with a couple good friends of mine, guys who uh, share a, a Vikings personal history with me. So we'll take a, we'll take a journey back. Hopefully, a catharsis. Hopefully. A, look, a fresh look at that game. That will be on Wednesday's show. Until then, I am Michael Rand. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Back at it again tomorrow.